Hello and welcome to the Elm Park Rolls podcast supported by Blue Collar Street Food. It's a downbeat podcast team today. 2-0 defeat at home to Middlesbrough. you got to say they thoroughly deserve to pick up the three points and we really struggled throughout the whole of the match. Barely had a shot on target. But to help me talk through it, I've been joined by Eric Argard. How are you doing? Good evening, Paul. Yeah, as, as well as can be, I suppose, is the answer to that. It wasn't great, was it? It wasn't good at all. I've also been joined by Alex. How are you doing, Alex? I don't know who is going to struggle more today, Paul, me on this podcast discussing the game or Reading during the game. <laughs> they could still be there, couldn't they? They could be there for another three or four hours. And Middlesbrough would just be heading it clear, just missed passes from us, missed controls, and just going absolutely nowhere, really. I mean... Credit to Middlesbrough, they're a decent team. They're going for a promotional. It's not like we've just lost our home to Wickham. Tempting fate there coming up in the next game. But I do think that oh, it's a little bit of a worrying sign, isn't it? Three consecutive home defeats now, Eric. And you've got to worry about that trend growing. Yeah, you do You do worry. And we, we talked about this on the pods in the last few weeks with the, the home defeat. You worry if, uh, if fatigue is becoming a factor. You know, our, our squad is quite thin. There's some players out. And the players that are in the team, for example, Josh Laurent, just don't look like they have the same energy levels that they did earlier in the season. So you do wonder if fatigue is starting to catch up with Reading a little bit. Yeah, possibly. And Josh Lawrence was one of the players that came in today with Estevez missing out, Alex. Do you think the fatigue is an issue or do you think maybe it's an excuse? Um, I think fatigue is maybe a little bit of an excuse. Uh, it probably plays its part, given that Paunovic hasn't really rotated, particularly this season. Uh, Rinomota yet to miss a game. Lauren only missing that one game in midweek. Um, and with him starting today, I was a little surprised. It was that he came straight back into the lineup in all honesty. Uh, I understand that you probably want your strongest 11, but at the same time, I think having Estevez out wide really was a a bit of a game changer for us in the sense of it allowed Semedo to play deeper. Um, and I think the more we see Semedo, Rinomota and Laurent all in the team together, the more it feels like Panovic is just trying to shove square pegs into round holes. And we don't really know how to how to play with all three of them on the field together still. Yeah, that right-hand side is becoming a real issue for us, isn't it, at the moment? We are missing Yaku Mate so much. Yeah, yeah, I think we're not just missing Mate, but also the squad hasn't really got any out-and-out wingers at all. So the, the the formation, I know that we play with the tight, sort of number 10 attacking midfield player in the wide area, Sajari on one side, um, Mate or whoever else on the other side potentially, but we could probably do with some actual wingers to change that up a little bit because even Ajaria's side is becoming a bit of a problem. He's not been the best in the last few weeks and yeah, helped to change it up a bit. I think at the moment we're maybe a little bit predictable. Yeah, I definitely think we're predictable. Um, what do you think on Ajari at the moment, Alex? I mean, I don't think he's been really terrible or anything. And I do think he's still a young player with potential, but there's a few issues which are maybe becoming a little bit frustrating for Reading fans. I think ineffective is probably the word I would use currently. Um, he's there and he is in the games and he's providing some chances, but it's, it's not enough. Um, too often in games, we're finding that he's slowing the play down when we're going forwards uh, or, or losing the ball too easily, trying to beat a man. Um, 
there isn't enough pace in his game, I think, is, is one of the main issues. And, and we're a team which relies so heavily on this breakaway style of football. Um, and I don't think it really suits Ajaria particularly when he's playing out wide. And I think that's a, it's an, it's an issue. Um, but having said that, what, what, I just don't know what you're meant to do with Ajaria. Um, I've seen people advocating for him to be dropped and it's, it's all well and good saying, oh, we should drop Ajaria or we should drop Elise or whatever the like player is, but there's no one to come in and play in these positions. So it's, you almost are kind of just, we're kind of stuck with what we have until, you know, till the end of the season. Um, and the, obviously the more and more you look at it now, January looks like a real miss, missed opportunity. Yeah, it does. And I, I can still see why we didn't do it in January because we haven't got the fans. I would say on Ovi Ajaria, how much is the, I'll say a slight fall off in form on a pretty consistent basis from Omar Riches affecting him because he's not getting that support, Eric, is he there at the moment? Yeah, you worry a little bit about Omar Richards. Obviously, lots of talk about his contract and you're sort of worried if he's been slightly distracted with his potential move to Bayern. But yeah, he was very poor today. Um, last few games, he's had a couple of bookings, hasn't he, from sloppy challenges and you just sort of worry that he's not quite at the level. He almost looks a bit like he did last season where he probably wasn't any better than Blackett or Abita. It was kind of like one or the other. Whereas earlier this season, you know, he was magnificent, really one of our best players. And he's definitely dropped off. And yeah, you, you probably think that that would affect the gyre. But the one thing I suppose that's missing really last couple of games, especially is tempo. We just have no tempo. It just seems very slow and laboured, which is not really how we like to play. Yeah, we got again, we got away with that. Sorry, against Bristol City, didn't we, Alex? And kind of, those issues weren't shown up because they were so poor. But today, it was really a reminder of the game against Millwall. There was tepid, wasn't it? I mean, we're going to go into more detail about the goals, but as an overall thing, it just had nothing. Yeah, I think performance-wise, to be honest, the, I know we won in midweek, but the performance-wise, I don't think there was a huge amount of difference between the two. We didn't really create midweek. I know we scored twice, but one was obviously a, a fantastic solo goal from from Morrison and the other one was from a set piece. We didn't create like a massive amount of chances in midweek either um, outside one chance, I think for Lucas Yao. And that was pretty much it. Um, and I think it is definitely a growing concern that we're just not really creating enough going forwards at the moment. Um, and when we're going to come up against these teams who are, you know, in decent form or near, near the top of the table, it's not going to be like the Bristol city game where we can just rely on, you know, rely on mistakes from the opposition to win games. Um, we have to have something else there. And at the minute, we just we just don't. No, we don't. And we started okay in this match. Let's get into that now. And we had the opportunity, which if he had scored from this and you're in a motor very early on, it could have been a game changer, couldn't it, Harry? And it's a kind of play with not a goal-scoring record. If he hits that a bit harder in the right area, it just wasn't convincing. I wasn't comfortable that he was going to score there. But, yeah, yeah, it was frustrating. Great, yeah, great play by Elise. He, um, the, the defender sort of just backed off and he he made a great run and, and teed Runamoto up at the edge of the box. And, um, you know, it sort of almost flashbacks a little bit to uh, a famous goal against Norwich, which you'd like, Paul, um, from Runamoto. But like you say, he's not a renowned goal scorer. Um, I think Alex mentioned it before we started recording. He did with the, the instep of his foot rather than putting his foot through it and it went just wide. Uh, but even if it had hit the target, it didn't have the, the most amount of power. So you'd almost rather he put his foot right through it. And obviously, if we score that or 
if it hits the target and it rebounds out or something like that, because I think Joao was on the prowl. Um, it might have been a different game, but um, yeah, wasn't to be. And and that was probably the be best chance we had throughout the whole game. Yeah, there was another one for Ovi, which is even further out, wasn't there, Alex? When he has, I, he actually gets some power behind the shot, but yet again, it goes just wide. Yeah, it's um, one of the rare occasions I can remember for for Ovi actually having a shot on goal this season. In all honesty, um, yeah, right-footed, probably what twenty yards out, and it's a, it's a tight angle for him to to hit it from. And if, to be honest, if he'd scored that, it would have been a you know, it would have been a very impressive finish. Um, but yeah, it slips just wide as well. And we really struggled to get anything on target uh, today. I think the only chance we actually had on target, and I say this really, really lightly, was Yeardon's header from the free kick, which was counted as an on-target shot, but not. And I think that was the only one we had in the first half, um, which was even, you know, counted as on-target. Yeah, I know. We're going to have to get to the Middlesbrough goals now. Let's look at the first one. A set piece in, so nil one up this goal. But we just fell for the trap massively, didn't we? Semedo switches off slightly. And then Team Mac gets caught out in a split second move. And just a painful viewing. You could see it was going to come and we just couldn't defend against it, unfortunately. Fletcher with the finish. Oh, frustrating, Eric, when you look back at it. Such a simple goal. Yeah, very easy for them. And I think that's the problem, isn't it? We made it too easy for them. Um, Samedo definitely left his marker. And then T-Mac, yeah, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because the ball's gone somewhere else. So he's probably gone, he oh, it's not me. And he switches off for half a second. And that's all that Fletcher needs. What were you going to say, Alex? Yeah, McIntyre gets caught, caught ball watching. Um, the, the, the angle from behind the goal, you can see McIntyre watches the ball come over his shoulder. Um and by that point, Fletcher's already, you know, a yard and a half away from him, and he's lost Fletcher completely. It's um, far too easy. Yeah, it's 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 a very very poorly defended free kick. Yeah, it's basically, isn't it? I mean, I can't find any positives from that situation at all. Um, then we go and follow it up by conceding a second goal in a relatively quick time in the 29th minute. This is a habit we had earlier in the season: conceding quick goals. We also saw this against Millwall as well, even though we were 1-0 up, conceding relatively quick goals. And if you do that, you're just going to kill off the second half, aren't we? And this is what we do with this game. And I don't know. There were so many chances when we could have got that ball away. And we were talking, Alex, on the post-match periscope, when you have three defensive midfielders and no one gets near Bowler. I mean, how does that happen? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I did see the comment from somebody on online on twitter around at least maybe should be there but um you've got lauren Samedo, rinomota um and yet somehow bola finds himself in a pretty decent amount of space 20 yards from goal um yeah don't get me wrong it's a pretty good finish um but i just don't really think he should be allowed to get that much space on the edge of the box um Especially when we're one 0 down, you'd expect players to really be kind of you know touch tight. And Middlesbrough were the entire game, giving them a lot of credit. Um, but we we just gave them way too much space. And although it's a good finish, I, it's a, another piece of poor defending, really. Um, and and that wasn't even the last piece of poor defending. Uh, decent goal overall, though. And I know there was a little bit of criticism from Matt on the watch long for um, 
from Rafa, about Raphael and whether he can save it. And I'm kind of 50-50. I don't know whether he should save that or not. In all honesty, I'm no expert when it comes to goalkeeping. So I I'd mean, be keen to it, hear the um, opinions of the listeners. So tweet us and let us know. Because I, I thought a better shot stopper saves that. I was a bit critical myself as well. But I, I was told in one of my group chats that I was being harsh. So be interested to hear... Uh, the thoughts of everybody else on that one. What did What did you think, Paul, on Raphael? I think it's a bit harsh. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I've seen from Raphael from long range shots, and yeah, he's not good at them at all um, for a goalie in the championship. That is anyway. But I think on this one, he's hit it so well, and I think he's hit it quickly. If he'd have kind of like taken longer and curled it with a slight instep of his fur and not so much power in it. I'd say Raphael has a made a good job of it. I think the problem is with Raphael is that he doesn't actually get that near to the ball on this one. So it's not the fact that he hasn't just not saved it. It's the fact he's not actually near it. And the ball isn't straight at him, but it's not that much of a distance away from him. But is that the reason why we lost the game? I'm not sure. I think Middlesbrough would have won that game anyway. And they had another great chance from Paddy McNair, he really should score that one, Eric, just before half time. If he curls it a bit more, gets a bit of a whip on that, it's going to be a third one and completely game over. Yeah, and if you're a, if you're a Middlesbrough fan, you're sat at home watching that, thinking this is the perfect away performance. They they just, um, yeah, they they didn't have that many attacks, but they were really effective when they did. Um, and then obviously, once they go one or two goals up, they start with the. Neil Warnock tactics, which is go down, feign injury, waste time, you know, stand in front of our free kicks the whole time, block our goalkeeper from taking quick sort of throw, all that kind of dark arts, as, as you were. Um, gamesmanship. Gamesmanship. And it just, as a as a team doing it, you're absolutely loving it because you're thinking, oh, the opposition is so frustrated. But obviously today we were frustrated because you're watching it and the game becomes scrappy and bitty there's no flow to our play after that and fair play to Middlesbrough they deserve the three points um quite clearly and uh we didn't really seem to threaten much to be honest you could definitely see that frustration that Eric mentions um just before half time with Richards getting that yellow card and then even during the second half Rinomota's yellow card Morrison Morrison a few times which is not like him I suspect that's kind of really getting angry not with necessarily with himself but with we've been here before lads. I think it's, 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 situ- yeah. it's a situation isn't it they're getting frustrated yeah. with the situation um, and not knowing what to do in order to change it as well I think um, and you could I'm honestly I'm surprised that we only got two yellow cards uh, today I, I, I really would have thought that we would pick up more but I think a lot of that probably comes down to the fact that Middlesbrough just let us have the ball in the second half, didn't they? Yeah, and I, I had a, a thought around have Middlesbrough worked out the blueprint for facing Lucas Zhao. They were super yeah. physical with him and it completely frustrated him. He was nearly anonymous, wasn't he? Yeah, There's I mean, no one I, up there with him though, is there, Alex? I mean, you look at it, Yakumata, he's got no support at all. I mean... If you could put any striker up front and you put three players around him, and our midfield threat of goals from Laurent, Rinomoto and Samedo, it's not many goals in them, is there? No, it's practically no. zero. It's practically zero from, from them. I think between them, they might get five a season, six a season, um, but not much more than that. 
And realistically, if Zhao stood up there on his own with three central defenders or two central defenders and a defensive midfielder coming into him every single time he touches the ball, he can't really do anything. He's going to have to have an incredible performance in order just to um, in order just to create any chances, really. And we've really like we've we've said it so many times now, and I'm I reckon people must be getting fed up of hearing it, but. Until Yakumete is fit, this team is not going to create enough chances to win win enough games um, because he is the he is the absolute cog in this team. Um, I think he's not the best player. Don't get me wrong, but he is the cog in this team, which makes it work because it allows Lucas Zhao the space up front which he needs in order to um, which he needs in order to create himself chances or bring Mete into play. Um, and until Mete's fit, I just really fit. I think we're going to keep struggling to to create enough chances against these teams who are higher up in the league. Yeah, you can't just put three players on Lucas Joe if Mete's in the team because he can score goals. This is just a fact. And his physical presence, and he helps us defensively as well. Teams don't like playing against Yaku Mete because he doesn't know what he's going to do, Nick. So the opposition have absolutely no idea what he's going to do. Kind of, We make two big substitutions at halftime. We bring on Gibson and we also bring on Estevez. But they both gave everything, but made virtually no difference. So, so were were they the right subs, do you reckon? Um, because a lot of people said, oh, we've bought on two defenders when we're 2-0 down. And uh, granted, Estevez did not play in a defensive role, but it essentially is two defenders, isn't it? He, you know, he does play right back as a as a, as a as a trade. You've got Aluko on the bench. You've got Pushkas on the bench. And yet we've brought on Gibson and, and Estevez. Are those the right subs, do you reckon, at halftime? Well, if you look at it, was Omar Richards playing well enough in the first half to stay on? Probably not really at a great level, was he? The right-hand side has been an issue, as we've talked about. So you're going to try something, aren't you, with Estevez? I mean, I can see why he's made those substitutions. And with hindsight, yeah, they didn't really make any difference, did they? But... I don't think he wants Puskas on for 45 minutes. I don't think he looks fit enough to last that long, Eric. And I think that's one of the major reasons he didn't come on. Yeah, and, and also the the players that got taken off at half-time, I think he was making a statement, right? Samedo and Richards both were really poor in that first half. So Samedo was terrible in the first half. Yeah, it was probably one of his worst performances for us. And Omar Richards, probably one of his lesser games in this season, at least. Um, so... Although tactically, yeah, it might not have been the best thing. He, I think it wasn't. He didn't make the subs for the tactic for the tactical reasons, in my opinion. He made he made the subs to make a, a statement to the players: this is this is not acceptable. So if you perform at that level, you get taken off if it's half time or not. And I think that was the right thing because the two players he did take off, they both deserved to come off. He could have probably subbed two or three others too, and they would have equally deserved to be taken off. Um, but uh, but there we are. And this is kind of what confuses me with the second half, really, is that, as Eric said, there's multiple players who could have come off from that side. Um, and yet we've waited for what, until the 80, 78th minute before Pushkas comes on, 86th minute until Aluka comes on. Why have we only made four subs? We're 2-0 down. We've got the option to make five subs, yet we've only made four again. Granted, yes, I, I understand people will probably say, oh, well, you know, who else makes a difference on the bench? But you know, you've got a Bulldog on the bench. I'm not saying Bulldog is a good player again, but it's you've got Bulldog on the bench. You've got Aluka. You've got Pushgas. Push these players on. Change the system. You've got to do something to try and change the game. Um, 
granted uh, like I don't think that they're gonna they're not gonna come on and, and score score a hat trick in five minutes like last season or anything but you know what what changes the changes we are making we're waiting way too late to make them yeah, in was, was Jaden Onan on the bench today because uh no he wasn't uh, okay yeah, because he's been on the bench in recent weeks. And you think if he's good enough to make the bench, you might as well give it a go. But if he wasn't there, then <laughs> that's a mute point. Yeah, I mean, the only shot we had actually of any real opportunity in the game was from Michael Morrison late on in the second half. I mean, it was a shot and he did make the goal. He made a proper save. On another day, the rebound falls to a Reading player. We get a goal and all of a sudden we're back in it. I mean... When I say the only opportunity, I guess Elise went through on goal, but that was offside by quite a margin. But I don't know. He's really disappointing in many ways, but kind of predictable that second half, wasn't it, Alex? Um, uh, yeah, I guess that's part of the issue, right? That it was predictable. We yeah. we we became we've become a bit easy to play against. Um, teams know what to do in order to kind of shut us down at the moment, and. Like I said, I don't think there's really going to be much that changes um, going forwards until we can like mix things up a bit in the starting eleven. I don't really see much changing in terms of that kind of attacking outlet, uh, attacking output. No, I mean we should all remember we're fifth in the league. I know the gap has closed down to five points today, so between us and seventh place. But a lot of teams be above us have lost. This league is so erratic. There's only one team that's going to win this league, which is sickening, and that is Norwich. But I would say that we go into this game against Wickham needing three points. Nothing else is going to be acceptable. And the game against Rotherham, I think both of them are going to be really, really tough games. And no way are we going to slam either of those games. But, Eric, how do you see the game going against Wickham on Tuesday? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the positives, yeah, the, the positives are the, the run of games we have coming up. They're a bit more winnable, you'd think. Uh, I mean, we, we said this a few weeks ago about the fixtures that we had coming up Um and we haven't done that well. So, um, but you would like if you had to pick some teams for the next couple of games that you'd want to face as a Reading fan, you'd probably call out Wickham, you'd probably call out Rotherham, and the others would be what Sheffield Wednesday, Birmingham. So they're all coming up, and um, yeah, they're going to be tough games. Uh, Wickham uh, actually played quite well against us earlier in the season, frustrated us quite a lot, which was which was interesting. Um, we seem to struggle against them more so than some other teams. Um, so yeah, it's not it's not a gimme by any means. It's uh, tough. We also called this out before we started recording. They have two former Reading first team players and a former Reading youth player, uh, Abita McCleary and Ikpiatsu. So they're all going to be well up for the game to show, hey Reading, here's what you missed out on type thing. Or um, yeah, they're, they're going to be geared up for it. And yeah, it's going to be tough. I, we need to turn it around quickly if we want to. Um, do anything this season. We need to 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 start being a bit more consistent. I suppose it's going to be interesting to see what um, what Pauno does because so far Pauno's pretty much got most things right. You'd say in his Reading tenure. So this will be a bit of a test for him now. Yeah, totally. I mean, you look at Wickham. They are they're such a tough team to actually beat at the moment by anything more than one goal. I mean, there's a Brentford match. We forget that one, but kind of a really concerned about that game. I think there's going to be expectations from a lot of fans to go there and win 3-0. I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, I, I think, to be honest, I think if we don't go away and put Wickham to the sword and, and beat them 2 or 3-0, I, I'd, I'd actually be disappointed. Um, I, I don't think Wickham have been that great this season. I know that they they drew today, 
Um, and they have been tough to beat in parts this season. Um, you bring up the 7-2, Paul. They lost recently. I'm just looking at their results. I mean, recently, 3-0 loss at home to Forest. Pretty poor. Um, 2-0 away at Sheffield Wednesday. Not great. Conceded two against Huddersfield, although they did beat them with a last-minute goal. Um, I I think that they're, they're there for the taking for us to go and put two or three goals against they're, them. They're a, they're a team that's punching way above their weight being in this league, oh, right? Yeah. Let's not Gar- make yeah, any definitely. mistake. We, we should beat them in a normal in a normal season on a normal day. It's just this run of form and our injuries and everything like that. It's not going to be easy. We we definitely be disappointed if we don't get all three points, whatever happens. Yeah, there'll be serious questions if we don't beat Wickham, I think. There'll be yeah. serious questions coming for a lot of people if we don't beat Wickham. Um, and to yeah. be honest, I think, personally, I think we should beat them fairly comfortably. Um, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people out there who say I'm you know, jinxing us or whatever now, but I think we should be beating Wickham fairly comfortably. They're not a very good side. Um, and however tough they might be to beat, there's a reason that Reading are fifth in the table this year. And you have to go yeah. and show it at some point. Yeah, yeah. I would argue that one of those two of those reasons are uh, actually not fit now in Maytay and Swift. <laughs> That's the unfortunate factor, isn't it? Yeah, I think we will win. And we are 31 points above Wickham. So it's all relative, isn't it? I just worry. I just worry about that game. If we score the first goal, we'll win. I don't have any doubts on that. I think we will. But, oh dear, I'm just worried after the kind of like home run and form and just the pressure of everything and Reading buckling in the last few years when they got any pressure. So cheers for listening. Hopefully it will be an upbeat one after the full-time whistle against uh, Wickham. We'll have a preview of that game coming out, I think, on Monday morning. Let's hope it's more optimistic than this one. But it's not all bad. Fifth in the league, we can still go up. And then just imagine when it gets to the end of the season, no one's going to give a toss about this game, are they? So cheers.